0: Has done for us, but do we ever take time to really consider what we ought to be doing for Him? Remember, Steve McDaniel's. Many of you remember <clears throat> God had blessed, turned his life around, and one, he he, he had such a, a desire to do better and to live for God, and always felt like he was not quite measuring up. And one day on his way home from work, uh, he was just kind of moaning and complaining about where he was and all of that. And the Lord spoke to him and said, Son, if I took care of you when you weren't living for me, because if I hadn't taken care of you while you weren't living for me, you would have killed yourself by the stupid things you were doing, but if it hadn't been for me taking care of you then, and if I took care of you then when you weren't living for me, how much more am I going to take care of you now that you are serving me? Amen. And he always reminded me, is God getting what he paid for in my life? And I have to ask myself that question every once in a while. Is God getting what he paid for? He paid a high price for you and I to be able to enjoy this. And sometimes we come in just kind of nonchalantly like this is going to Dillard's or going to Walmart. And it's not. We have come into the house of the Lord. and. He deserves our highest praise today. Amen. I pray that you've done that. It is good to see you in the house of the Lord. I do realize that this is spring break season, and uh, I do feel spring fever is in the air. Come on, folks. I've pastored long enough, amen, but it's so good just to be able to come to the house of the Lord. For just a moment, will you turn with me to Acts chapter 3, verse number 19. Acts chapter 3, verse 19, and then we'll let you be seated. If you don't get exercise anywhere else, It is a guarantee that if you come to church, you're going to get some. Amen. At least this church. Acts 3, verse 19. Peter was speaking to those who were concerned and questioning the healing of the lame man at the gate beautiful. And after having explained to them how it had happened, he goes on to reveal to them a much deeper plan and purpose of God. Verse 19, he said, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. For a few moments this morning, I want to speak to you from this subject. It's time. Say it, it's time. It's time for refreshing. Amen. Say it again, it's time for refreshing. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to speak to you this morning about a need that every one of us in this building have. No matter your age or your station or your gender, life <clears throat> requires this necessity. We need what the Spirit's intent in this passage uh, conveys to us, and that is a change of atmosphere. A change of atmosphere. Not a superficial change, not an artificial change, but a genuine change. I read the story about a preacher of a certain denominational background who was preaching one day, and he noticed a man that was in the congregation that seemed so impressed by his message, and afterward, he spoke with him, and he said, the gentleman said, I, I, I want to become a Christian. And so, uh, according to their denominational uh, traditions, he took him to be baptized, and when he came up out of the water, he put a mark of the cross on his forehead, and he said, uh, I'm going to call you by a new name. Your new name is Adam. <clears throat> and so he sent the man away, and a couple of weeks later, he, the preacher had reason to believe that this man was not really living up to uh, all that he should have been living up to, and among other things, he was not fasting on Fridays which was a part of their religious culture and accordingly on one particular Friday he decided to just show up at the man's house and find out how he's really living on Friday and as sure enough as he got near the man's house he smelt the savory scent of roasting beef and the preacher said Adam you're not You're not doing right. You're breaking the law of the church. You're eating meat on a day when you're supposed to be fasting meat. This is beef. And Adam looked at him and said, well, preacher, it's like this. When you took me down in that water and you baptized me and I came up, you made the sign of a cross on my head and you said, your name is going to be called Adam from this time forward. So when I got that piece of beef out, I put an X on it and I said, fish. (laughs) Now that's not the kind of change I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about genuine change. I'm talking about real change. Sometimes preachers are asked, why they preach the things that they do and they preach the way they do, and I would have to answer you according to our text. You preach according to the need that is present. If you read the whole chapter of Acts 3, you'll find that Peter's message was right in line with the need of that particular moment. And I preach sometimes because... Uh, I have a great passion to to share with you what I have felt like the Lord has shown me or has revealed to me in His Word, and I do it for the purpose of helping you live a better life and to have a better quality of life. And sometimes I, I realize that I, I'm a little intense. One time, my grandson—I can tell this only today—he's not here. He's on spring break vacation, but he, he said, Poppy, why don't you ever smile when you're preaching? <laughs> he he kind of indicated that I look mad all the time, so I have to really work on this facial expression because sometimes the intensity in here, uh, it, it shows up on the wrong way on the outside, but I, I feel a passion for what I need to say to you today. And I feel an urgency. And sometimes my preaching may make you feel uncomfortable. It's not pointed at you personally. It's not directed at you as an individual. But it is preaching to what is sensed as a need in the atmosphere. And when I, when I see things that I believe can help us and i believe can change our life then i want to preach those things to you and i see things in scripture that excite me because they are principles they are spiritual principles that are not just for that moment in time but they relate to my life in this present hour and so with that burden and passion i come and and I do that because I want better things for you. I I am not preaching this morning to impress you. I am well aware there are many places you can go that will be much more impressive and probably much more clear in their enunciation and they'll have better grammar. But I don't think you're going to go anywhere where you're going to feel a greater burden and a desire to reach out today and communicate a spiritual truth to you that can be life-changing. It can be life-changing. And there was a note of urgency in Peter's voice, and there's a note of urgency in my voice. I have news for you this morning. This is not a come patty cake for Jesus hour. This is not a kumbaya song. And we just kind of rub on each other and feel good and leave and nothing changes. I like to come to church because church is a place where change takes place. As a matter of fact, if you look at the scripture and you study the life of the Lord, when he went into the synagogue or the temple, something happened. It wasn't church as usual. It wasn't the routine thing. And I believe that's an example that when we come to church, it ought to be a life-altering moment. It ought to be a time when the truth of God is open to us and we realize that there's something there for us to pull ourselves up by and gain a better standing in our life and to have a better hold on what we believe. Amen. I want to speak to you today about a necessity of life. A necessity. Everybody say a necessity. Not not just something that you can do every once in a while, but something that you need constantly. I speak uh, of that necessity and I press that message into your minds today because I feel that urgency. I could... Uh, I, I can tell you a lot of stories today, but the truth is the Word says all that you and I really need to know. And this is what I've tried to tell people recently. Put away the books. Let's stop trying to argue something out of the Bible. Let's quit trying to deny what's in there. Let's just take the book, open the book, read the book, and what it says, let's do that. Let's not try to find an excuse to get around that. Let's just say, God, if it's in your word, then that's what I want to embrace. That's what I want a part of my life because that's what's going to help make me a better person and lift me to a higher place in living for you. Amen. Amen. What I'm talking about this morning could spell the difference between victory and defeat, between life and death. It is a game changer It is a game changer when life gets heavy and life does get heavy. More importantly, when life grows stale and stagnant. You ever been in that kind of place before? You ever really been around stagnant water? Has a certain smell to it. There's just something about it that even the mud stinks. Yeah, and life gets that way sometimes. the The air is sucked out of the room. Something happens that just pulls all of the oxygen out of our life, and we we can't breathe. We feel like we're being pressed by our problems, family and, and, and business and all relationships and every other area of life you can imagine. You feel that, that life is just sucking the wind out of you. It, it's taking something away. It's like you, you've been hit in, in, in the wind cavity and all of the air has been expelled and you're gasping, trying to get your breath. And life is like that. Life It's hard. It's hard. And I want to tell you that over the last few months, we have lived through some hard times. Hard times. It has sucked the wind out of us. It has taken the life and the breath out of us. We get worn down. We get weary. We grow tired. Life becomes a burden. It becomes a weight that we have to carry. And the problems and the pressures of everyday living take their toll on our lives. And in a sense, they literally take our breath away. They, they just suck the oxygen out of the air. That's one of the great dangers of fire is that fire comes into a building. What makes it so dangerous is that it eats up the oxygen. In in the room, it consumes the breathable oxygen that that will help you sustain your life, and so you suffocate from the lack of oxygen, and so it is in life. There are fires that burn in life that become so intense, it's like they just they suck the very life and breath out of us, and we're just trying to get our breath. Am I talking to anybody? And if you and I can tap into the resource that is unveiled to us in this text, it will affect relationships, it will impact your inner change in life, it will alter and change and shape your attitude, it will have an effect upon your mind, it will Influence and sway your thinking, and such will make a change. In your life possible. So it's so important that you wrap your minds around this one verse of scripture. Because in it you find that when we tap into this resource. That we actually will accelerate the fulfillment of God's purpose in our life. And we will accelerate his desire to touch us and minister to us and strengthen us. It will put buoyancy back in your, your, your life. It will, it, it will help you to sustain yourself in the midst of the trial and heaviness. And into your life will come something that will bring healing, healing, restoration, revival, renewal, joy, happiness, peace, contentment, Oh contentment, what a jewel, what a jewel that's lacking in our culture right now. We are the most unhappy world right now. If you don't believe it, just tweet something today. It used to be a day when people respected your views. Nobody respects anybody's views anymore. You just put something out on social media. And there's those piranhas out there that's going to go on the attack. And before it's over with, you're thinking, what in the world was I thinking? That before you push sin, you ought to think. Amen. But it happens. It happens. And so we have become a discontented world. We're unhappy with every kind of setting. We can't ever make enough money. We can't ever live in a big enough house. We can't ever drive a nice enough car. Husband can't ever do enough right. Wife can't ever be enough right. Children can't ever be enough right. I mean, it's just such a dysfunctional world that we are now living in. And that unhappiness, unfortunately, seeps in even to the church Yeah. Yeah, it does. Now, I know you are looking at me right now like you need to preach something different today. No, I don't. I need to preach this. But there is a need and a necessity for what Scripture is trying to speak to us today. And when we tap into it, it actually accelerates, it speeds up what God wants to do. It actually releases God to do what his desire is to do. Our text conveys one of the most powerful principles of life and living that you will find anywhere in Scripture. And when you understand it and you embrace it, it will change the atmosphere of your life. It will alter the course of your life. It will turn the momentum. What is conveyed here is so desperately needed today and it ought to be sought after by every person in this building, no one excluded, because it will change the whole aspect of your life how critically important it is. And we have to understand the value of this principle to rectify life, to help bring balance back into our life. Now, before you get too irate or you get too irritated that I'm preaching out of context, I am very much aware that this text in its basic intent that Peter was speaking on this occasion. This was speaking primarily to men about a new birth experience. I understand that. I understand that the scriptural tone of this verse had to do with the restoration that God wanted to work in the lives of men, converting them from their sin to salvation, making them understand that their sins had separated them from God, but here is a way for them to find their contact and come back into relationship with God. I understand that. But here's here's what I want you to consider. If this principle works concerning God and my relationship with him will it not also work in my relationship with you now we know that it works with him he said repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So we know that when we do those first two things that God is going to send a wind of spiritual refreshing into our lives. But does that principle not also involve my everyday life? Does it not matter to to our relationships or relationships of any manner, if this is what restores relationship with God that sin has, has destroyed, repentance and conversion, will it not work in restoring other things in my life? Amen. Some of you. I wondered where I'm going. I'm I'm in the book. If this principle works toward God to affect a change in my relationship with him, should it not work in all of life as well? Okay. What I want you to see this morning is that there is a spiritual principle that can literally change your life this way. Not just this way. Now I'm going to tell you, the reason we have problems this way is most often because we have a problem this way. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say that over here to you. Maybe you'll smile. The reason this is an issue is because this becomes an issue. And so if he's given me a remedy for this, will the same principle not work for this? All right. I'm not trying to bait you and and pull pull a fast one on you. Please don't be afraid. I'm I'm not going to hoodwink you today. But this verse is filled with some of the most powerful words in Scripture. And I want to break them down and I'm going to be done, okay? Words like repent, convert, uh, blotting out, times, refreshing, presence of the Lord. Those Those terms are so pregnant with meaning that we fail to grasp the 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 principle that is involved here and I want to break it down in, in the simplest form this morning so that you and I will have no excuse when we leave this building that these, the, these, this part of life needs to work better. This part of my life needs to be on a better plane. This part of my life needs not just my relationship with you but my relationship with life itself. Because a lot of times people feel like life has cheated them. Life has not been fair to them. We haven't gotten any breaks. I'm not going to go any further than that. So let's look at them. Repent. Everybody say repent. The word repent means to change one's mind. Does it mean to just feel sorry? It doesn't mean to have remorse. In this particular context, it means one thing, and that is a change of mind, a change of the way that you think, a change in the attitude that you have toward life, and others it literally means to reconsider changing one's mind for the better changing my attitude amen repent everybody say repent everybody say I need to repent if I'm going to work on this level of my life as well as this level of my life, I need to change my attitude. I need to change my way of thinking. I need to take captive those crazy thoughts and say, no, you are not dominating my life. You are not turning my life. You are not convincing me of that because the word of God says something contrary to that. Amen. Repent. Amen. You need to change your mind. Listen to me. Some of you need to change your mind about sin or at least what you label sin. All right, I'm going to say that to this congregation. It does matter to God. It does. That's what Calvary was all about. That's what the stripes were about. That's what the crown of thorns was about. That's what the rejection of mankind was about. It was about my sin, your sin. No categories. No big ones, no small ones, no white ones, no black ones, no great ones, no small ones, just sin. And a sin, you know what a sin is? The word that is used there is missing the mark. Missing the mark. Now, now... Now, and I know we have come up with our own definition of sin. You know what the Spirit's saying right now? The Spirit's saying you need to scratch your definition of sin out of the dictionary and you need to write my, my definition in. And my definition is that if you miss the mark, and he said you need to change your mind about what, what you think about sin. It's not just an excuse, it's not just a weakness, it's not it is something that you need to forsake, you need to let go of, you need to turn away from, you need to rebuke, you need to not be involved in. It is a big deal and that's why he went to Calvary. But you need to change your mind about yourself. Yeah. You're not quite as bad as you think you are and neither are you quite as good as you think you are. (laughs) We could go to Whataburger on that one and get a veggie burger. (laughs) Brother Perry, I said that for you today. Amen. Amen. We need to change our mind about our circumstances. A lot of the discontentment that's in people's lives right now is because of their present circumstances. I don't like it. Why do you not like it? I just don't like it. I'm unhappy. Why are you unhappy? I'm just unhappy. I have a right to be unhappy. Everybody has a right to be everything nowadays. Yeah. yeah, you have a right to be miserable. But God said, hey, I have something better for you. I have a solution to that. I have a remedy for that. If you'll repent, if you'll change your mind about your circumstances, you're not as bad off as you think you are and things aren't as bad as you think they are and you're not as hopeless as you think you are. And things are not as, they're not going down the tube as you think they are. This isn't the end of the road. This isn't the end of life. Change your mind. You're not trapped, you're not a victim of circumstances. You need to change your mind about others, they're not your enemy. They don't hate you. They may not agree with you. They may not like your flavor of ice cream. But that's the prerogative of everybody that lives. Just because you have bad taste and don't know what good taste is. You see, every one of us have an attitude. Yeah. And we think That our view of life is the only view of life there is. And the reality is that person sitting next to you is never going to see life like you see it. And they're never going to, that's not a point of contention. You ought to make that work for you, not against you, and help you come to a better place in your life. Amen. Change the quality of your life. Your attitude, somebody say my attitude, may be blocking the whole work of healing in my life. Can I say that again? My attitude can be blocking the whole work of healing in my life. Do you know what doctors, this is what statistics from doctrinal studies say, that 61% of cancer is caused by Unforgiveness. 81% 81% of strokes and heart attacks are caused by unforgiveness. That's why we need to repent. That's why we need to alter our, that's why we need to get a new frame of reference up here. Because this is where the real battlefield is, church. This is where the war is going on right now. We think it's going on out there. No, it's not. It's going on right here. It's going on between our ears. It's what those voices in our head are telling us on a daily basis. And God said, hey, I want to give you a remedy. I want to give you a way out of that. I want to help you get back up and move in a direction you need to move. And that is turn around in your attitude. Change your Mind, Amen. In the book of Matthew, he talks about binding and loosing. The interesting part about binding and loosing is that entire chapter is built around the subject of forgiveness. Could it be that my ability to release things or bind things are connected to my willingness to forgive somebody? All right, I'm going to go on. Convert. He said, repent and be converted. You know what the word convert means? It means to revert. It means to turn around or toward or to. It means to turn oneself back, to come back, to turn around, to change directions. So this is the principle that when you change your mind... And you change your direction, then something automatic is going to happen from the glory world. There is going to be an automatic infusion of God's power in your life to help restore things in your life. That when you change your attitude and you change your direction and you do those things, he promises that there will be a time because the words that are used here have a succession to them. That when you do this, you do this in order that this will come to pass. And when you do that, when you repent, and when you turn your direction, you, you realize you've triggered something in the heavenly realm. Amen. Amen. I'm hurrying. I'm going to have to skip. He said so that the times of refreshing, the word times, very important, doesn't mean a moment. It doesn't mean you're going to come up to church and and, and in a service, you're going to come to the altar and boom, something's going to happen, boom. That moment, boom, that's it. But it literally means seasons, a period of time, days, weeks, months, times, a season of refreshing. And this is the powerful word. The word refreshing here comes from The Greek word which means to recover one's breath. Remember me telling you about the fire? How fire works? It literally eats the oxygen up in the room. And God said, when that happens in your life, what I want to do, if you'll change your attitude and change your direction, I'm going to... I'm going to breathe air back into your situation. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to breathe life back into your circumstances. I'm going to bring life back into your relationship. I'm going to breathe life back into your soul. I'm going to breathe life back into your joy. I'm going to bring life back into your happiness. I'm going to bring life back into your contentment. I'm going to bring joy back to life. I'm going to restore something in your life that has been missing. Mm, 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 mm. Amen. It means a resuscitating to recover. He wants to breathe new life into you today. Today, 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 today. Everybody say today. Amen. Amen. Times of refreshing. It literally comes from two words which mean to cool. To cool off or to recover from the effects of heat. It speaks of the cooling effect that just getting into the shade of a tree can have on a person in the hot sun. Do you understand that when we come into his sanctuary, we come under the shadow? of the Almighty. That when we come in here... I know there's a lot of lights and there's no shadows really, but in, in a spiritual sense, there's a shadow over this entire congregation so that when we come in from the heat of the day, when we come in from the heat of life, when we come in from the struggles and battles that we're going through with our children and on our job and in our minds and all the other warfare going on, that when we come in here, we literally can come in and come under the shadow. Of the Almighty, that we can hide in the cleft of the rock, that there is this fresh air. There is this fresh air that is breathed into our lives. Why? Because that's what God wants to do to help me live and make it and get through life without crashing and burning because that's what God wants to do, invigorating the air that comes to one who is fainting from the oppressive atmosphere of life when life's fires have burned all of the oxygen out of your life. It is the presence of God that can breathe back into you that breath that will. (sighs) And if it works this way, it works this way. I I wonder this morning, and I'm shutting, I'm going to shut down. I wonder this morning what he could breathe life into if you would just change your attitude about it. I wonder what he could breathe life into if you would just turn around and start moving in a different, in a, toward him. Yeah. That's what it literally means. Turn around and turn toward him. Yeah. Because he said that the times of refreshing, that breath, oh, is going to come from the presence of the Lord. The word presence there means the face of God. Not his backside, not his profile, but his face. His face. God wants to turn his face toward me. His favor. You see, when a king wanted to give favor to someone, he turned his face toward that person. And when he turned his face toward them. They had the privilege of coming in to his presence. If he did not turn and face them, then they were not allowed to come in to his presence. But the Lord said, what I want to do, I want to turn my face toward every one of you, all of you in the battle of life, in the struggles that you're going through right now, in the turmoil that's going on in your life. He said, I want to turn my face toward you so that when you turn your face toward me, I can breathe life back into you. I can breathe joy back into you. I can breathe peace back into you. I can breathe hope back into you. I can bring excellence. I can bring everything you need for your life. I can breathe it back into you. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Oh, Lord, help us today. If you want a new life, if you want a new lease on life, if you want a burden to be lifted today, then I'm going to tell you how to get that happen. Start working right up here. Your, these thoughts are not going to hold me captive any longer. He said, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds. Strongholds that are set up in our own mind. We become convinced that somebody's against us, somebody doesn't like us, somebody hates us, somebody thinks this about us, and so we cut off relationships with them because of that. And the Lord said, "I'm going to help you fix that. First of all, you got to change your attitude about this. Because it doesn't—it's it, not going to help you if you change just this attitude. This is what helps make life full." This is what God gave us to make our life full and meaningful. He said, It is not good that man should be alone, single, one. And so He created woman. Why? Because men and women, humans, need community, we need connections, we need this. Because this is where we see the fulfillment of life. This becomes the visual of what the spiritual is is supposed to be. And the problem is, a lot of us have worked really hard on this right here. But we have forgotten about the principle working on this level of my life. And I'm not talking about just people. I'm just talking about life. Everything about life. Everything that 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 fuels the discontent. Everything that fuels the unhappiness. Everything that fuels the anger. Everything that fuels the bitterness. Everything that fuels all of the other elements. All of the other issues. And all of the other emotions that somehow life has a way of aggravating. When we get this level... Working properly. This is where the real joy of life comes from. It is. It is. Paul said, my greatest joy is to see you living for God. Is to see you doing well. My greatest joy is to see you happy and rejoicing and singing and worshiping. My greatest joy as a pastor is not to impress you with a sermon or impress you with something else. My greatest joy is to see you released and able to rejoice and come to a place of freedom where that burden has been lifted off of your back and you can straighten up and realize I have been made for the kingdom of God. I have a purpose in my life. God has a a calling on my life. Amen. Amen. And so it begins with a change of mind. Amen. And when I change my mind, well, how do you know if you've changed your mind? Well, all I can use is scripture. That's all I'm going to use. But the Bible says that when the prodigal came to himself, literally in the Greek it said, when he came back to a right way of thinking. So trace it all the way back. If his thinking is is being changed now, then evidently his thinking had gotten messed up. And that's why he left the house to begin with. He said he came back to a right way of thinking. And when he came back to a right way of thinking, what happened next? He said, I will arise and go to my father's house. And a lot of people stop right there. Listen, folks, just because you say it doesn't mean it's so. You know what makes it so? It's when you not only think it and you say it, but you start doing it. And the Bible said he got up out of that pigsty. He got up out of that swine slough, He got out out of that stink and filth that he had fallen into and he started making his way home you know how you know when you really change your mind when you start walking in a new direction when you start having a new attitude about life when there's a little joy comes back in your step and there's happiness and peace in your soul when you know that God is on your side and he's not against you then something happens in your life you can dance all the way home you're not afraid to come home you're not afraid to even what may happen when you get to the Father's house. Woo! Change your mind. Turn around. It triggers something in the heavenlies. (sighs) He turns his face toward us. Woo! I don't know about you today, but I need him to look right in my face right now and just... (sighs) Anybody else need that? Come on. Come on, let's let him do it right now. Hallelujah. Let's let him do it right now. Let's let him do it right now. Let's let him do it right now. Come on. Capture those thoughts. Draw those thoughts in. Quit letting them destroy your life. Quit letting them tear up your home and your family.